you can have a lot of success. It's a relationship-based business. People want to work with people that they know. And most importantly, when you're dealing with the federal government, it's about who do they trust and who do they think is going to have the lowest risk. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Hello, everybody. My identical twin brother and I are thrilled to have our special friend, Jason Walker here, who is a founder, CEO at C-Focus Software. Now, this organization is located in the DMV, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and his C-Focus software is a Microsoft Gold partner. But they're not only a Microsoft Gold partner, they're an AWS technology partner, they're a ServiceNow partner with significant capabilities to support the government cloud initiatives. So when we think about what does it take to work with the federal government, what does it take to work with the federal government in a cloud secure way, this is the company we think about. His organization does over $10 million in annual revenue. He's also one of the co-founders and a big sponsor of the Black Channel Partner Alliance, we're so happy to have him here. Welcome to Twins Talk It Up, J-Dub. Hey, Danny. Hey, David. What's going on, guys? The twins. I'm chilling with the twins today. I'm the third one. Y'all ain't even know. <laughs> uh, Jason, this is uh, David. And from time and time to time, we're going to introduce ourselves so our audience knows who's asking you questions. But we're so glad you could join us, Jason. It's been encouraging just to get to know you and about your platform your focus and what you're doing. But before we go any further, I want to first of all say congratulations. So much has been happening with your company, C-Focus Software. You were featured personally in Microsoft's Black Partner Growth Initiative, Black History Month, a part of the 2022 campaign. And the Black Partner Growth Initiative, or BIPG, it's Microsoft's initiative designed to help support Black tech companies and entrepreneurs. And they offer mentoring, they offer coaching, they offer training to help navigate these black tech founders to really navigate the Microsoft ecosystem. And what, what's been amazing about it is that you've been such a great partner with Microsoft since the founding of your organization. Can you tell me what it's like to be a gold certified partner and how you've leveraged your partnership with Microsoft to continue to grow your business? Sure, sure. So yeah, we've been a Microsoft Gold partner now for, I would say, probably close to 10 years. It's probably between seven to 10 years now. And so we've been through the process. You know, we got the t-shirt. Uh, we got the picture hanging on the mantle. We, we kind of been through it and seen it and done it for quite a long time. But I'll tell you this. So since being involved with BCPA, the Black Channel Partner Alliance, and working with you guys, working with Frank and, and Niasha and all of the guys with and gals with BCPA, I've actually had more engagement now with Microsoft than I had with all those years as a Microsoft Gold partner. Um, 
being able to collaborate with BCPA and all of the uh, connections that we have with Microsoft, that is actually what got me that opportunity to be featured uh, for uh, the, the uh, BAPG is, is the acronym that I normally use with Microsoft. When I got involved with BAPG, they connected me with one of the top five Microsoft Azure partners in the world. We collaborated on a bid for a government contract for over $100 million. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win, but just having that opportunity to get exposure to one of the top five Azure partners and working with them, and then other initiatives that I'm working on as well. They've made a lot of connections with a lot of other federal government uh, Microsoft folks as well. So it's been really, really helpful. It's, it's actually moved the needle quite a bit on, on our ability to collaborate with Microsoft. This is Danny, and I'm so happy to hear that you said, really, just the one and a half years that you've been part of this program, you've actually aligned and gained more relationships, more what we Absolutely. call activity than you did in the last 10 years. That is phenomenal. Absolutely. And that's just only a testament to how well this program is working out. So kudos to you. You're going to get more opportunities, more big contract opportunities to go uh, to market with. And I'm so happy that everybody knows about your organization and knows a lot about C-Focus software, not just in the federal space, but also within the Microsoft ecosystem. So that's fantastic. Uh, so today, uh, before we get into your specialty and a little bit about it, I'd like you to give people a little bit more insight on C-Focus software. You guys have actually created your own um, type of little solution as well, where people can yep. find out about opportunities. Tell our audience a little bit about that. Sure, sure. So started C-Focus 15 years ago. I started it with my three best friends, me, myself, and I. Um, <laughs> started basically in my own home. Um, I had previously done work as an employee of federal government contractors, and I made the decision that I wanted to kind of strike out on my own and, and start my own company. Started as a one-man shop 15 years ago. We do 100% federal government services. So anything from cybersecurity, uh, cloud security, you know, we do enterprise IT as well. So things like help desk and call centers and system administration, all of that sort of stuff. But our main focus has always kind of been compliance. So federal government security compliance. And over the past 15 years or so, we've really kind of like productized all of our best practices and our lessons learned. And we created a software solution called ATO as a service. That stands for authority to operate as a service, which ultimately when you're involved in the federal government compliance process, every system has to obtain an authority to operate an ATO. And so we created ATO as a, as a service. It's being hosted in Microsoft Azure. It is a uh, Microsoft uh, co-sell ready solution. It's in the Azure marketplace. Um, again, you know, we, we have a lot of background with Microsoft and so it was just a natural fit. And so basically what we're doing now is not only are we offering services, we have about 100 employees doing federal government services, but we also are now selling this software uh, to federal government and also to cloud service providers that want to do business with the federal government. So if you are a cloud service provider, you want to do federal work, you have to get what's called a FedRAMP authorization. And so ATU as a service will facilitate and automate that process to get that FedRAMP authorization. And this is Danny. That's going to be us. So just to let everybody know, we're going to be working with uh, Jacob yeah. and his company Can't on wait. that as well. So excited about it. And you know, one of the great things that we are really excited about is that every month we have this power forum. And as David said earlier, we're going to have you back 
because there's so much wisdom and knowledge that you have that you can teach our audience on how to do business with the federal government. So today we want to focus on a specific area of specialty. We want to make sure that we highlight what it takes in order to work with the federal government. Over the last couple of months, uh, J-Dub came on board to the BCPA Power Forum, where he was able to share his knowledge of what it takes in order to work with the federal government. And one of the things we're really excited about is that he's going after the big contracts. And we know that when it goes after the big contracts, you want to be the prime. Even now, his organization has the ability to go after the bigger stuff. Can you share your approach and some strategies, just real quick, on how our partners and how our audience can learn how to work with the federal government? Sure. Sure, sure, Danny. So federal government, there are a few ways that I feel like are the best ways in order for you to actually win contracts, maintain your business, win follow-on contracts, and grow as a federal government contractor. The number one, absolute number one thing, well, I don't know, I guess maybe it's like a one and a one A to me. One is relationships. One A is the ability to write proposals. Now, I'll, I'll start with one, which is relationships. If you are the kind of company, if you are the kind of person that has relationships with the folks in government who run programs, who control the money, who actually are the people who are the decision makers when it comes to awarding contracts, you can have a lot of success. It's a relationship-based business. People want to work with people that they know. And most importantly, when you're dealing with the federal government, it's about who do they trust and who do they think is going to have the lowest risk. It's all about risk management when you're talking about federal government work. When you have a $20 million contract with 50 people that's going to be working on it, I mean, let's be honest, it's going to be pretty much the same 50 people across all companies. We're all kind of working with the same talent pool. We all have access to the same job boards. And there's people who've been working for government for many years. And whoever is the contractor at the time, they'll just kind of swap from one contractor to another based on who is the person who won the last contract, who's the company that won the last contract. So talent pool is pretty similar across all the boards. Um, the actual work being done is going to be the same. It's about who does the government trust to actually get the work done to limit their risk and keep people's name off of the evening news as you know the, the, the latest agency that got a government hack, right? So it's, it's about building relationships. So either you have to have that or you need to bring people on board who have that. Then the right. second thing is writing proposals. <laughs> proposals are like the one thing that if you don't necessarily have that relationship, you can establish that relationship and kind of get those contracts that you otherwise wouldn't have. I mean, the majority of the work, I, I mean, my, my whole thing is I've always been more of a technical person than a relationship person. And so what my equalizer has always been is being able to write kick-ass contract proposals. And you have to understand the technology. And you most importantly, you have to understand what the government agency that you're writing the proposal, you got to understand what they want to see in your proposal. It's about understanding their environment, understanding their pain points, 
being able to articulate your value proposition in a manner that resonates with the folks who are reading it, and being able to, again, convince the government that you can provide this service at a lower risk than the other, other folks can. Would you say there's an art to writing proposals? 100%, yeah, 100%. I mean, there's certainly a lot of technical detail that has to go in. You have to be able to follow directions and you know you have to be able to speak to all of the different things, but there's an art when it comes to communicating your value proposition, understanding how to speak, you know, having that voice, having that voice throughout the proposal where you speak to certain people. So a proposal is, is it's read by a committee of people and there's usually about four or five people on that committee. Your proposal, the art and, and, and the, the real key part is to be able to speak to all of those five people and speak to what they want to see in a proposal in order for them to feel, yeah, these guys get it. They know what we need. They know how to deliver what we need. I want to go with these people because it's an emotional thing. Like doing, writing a proposal is, is you're actually supposed to evoke emotion from the person like, yes, like I feel comfortable with these folks. It's not just about gigabytes and, and you know, gigahertz and stuff. It's about people making people feel like they can trust you. That's, that's, that's the art part of, of the process. We'll be right back after this short break. We wanna thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. 
Jason, this is David, and I love how you brought up two elements uh, that were key, or that are key rather, to securing government contracts. And one was relationships, which I'm huge into. I really believe you got to leverage relationships because people want to work with who they trust. Exactly. They want to work with people that they know have proven time in and time out that they can be consistent and deliver what they say they're going to do. And so you have to have that. But what I what I appreciate before I get into the second part about the art of writing is you as a leader, as an owner of a company, that you're willing to say, I'm aware of my greatest strengths to what I want to bring to my organization. And I know that there might be others who can leverage their skill set, whether it comes to interpersonal skills, they're great at making sure they're massaging the right people and they're staying in touch with the right people, they're asking the right questions to keep that door open. And then you, as a leader, say, No, I want to focus on this area because this is where I thrive, this is where I shine. I'm awesome at writing these proposals. And as a public speaking coach and trainer, I'm always about how can you evoke emotion? How can you move them to believe that they are in this writing or in this presentation directly? And you're doing that and you're in the challenge here. And this is why I know it's an art. And I'm glad my twin said this because you're not just writing to one person, you're writing to a diverse audience and each of them are championing certain parts of that proposal mm -hmm. because it reflects on them. And you say that you have to write in such a way where it resonates with them, where they're evoking emotion and it brings the least amount of risk. Now, it, did you find that this became a trial and error? How did you learn how to develop this style of writing? Because for me, work with nonprofits and work with organizations, I believe strongly that there are people out there that are specialists. They're specialists in grant writing. They're specialists in, in, in learning how to do, quote, unquote, copywriting if you're trying to get your stuff out there on the websites. Um, how did you learn to develop this? And, and why is this such a valuable component of winning bids? Yeah, yeah, really good question, David. So I will say that my company had a couple of different stages. I think pretty much all companies have uh, multiple stages. So I think there's a certain skill set you need to launch a company and go from zero to, I don't know, a million dollars. There's a certain skill set that's required for the startup part, zero to a million. There's a certain skill set that's required for a million to, I don't know, 10 million. And then there's another skill set, that's the growth stage. And then this, there's another skill set for when you're like starting to really get big, like over 10 million, you know, and you get up to 50 million, whatever. And then, you know, you exit and then you you uh, go sit on the beach uh, with, with uh, drinks the rest of your life, right? So, I had a really good skill set for zero to actually we got up to three million where I was just kind of doing everything by myself. I did the work of like four human beings every single day because that's kind of what you have to do. When you're a small business, you wear multiple hats. You are the CEO, the CTO, the COO, you know, you, you're the tech writer, you're everything. You're like, you know, you clean the bathroom, you do everything. Right. So I had a really good skill set for that. I knew that in order for me to grow past $3 million, I needed additional support. I needed someone who was going to come in and provide that skill set for writing these kick-ass proposals. And so I actually brought on a partner and my partner, he had 
gobs and gobs of experience. He had previously won like billion dollar bids at big companies. And so he's the one who really took us to another level when it came to our proposal writing. And so you have to know, you have to look in the mirror and be honest with yourself about what your skill set is and what you need in order for you to grow. So I brought him in. We went from 3 million a year to 10 million a year because wow. that is the skill set that he brought on board. He knew how to write the proposals. He knew how to do all of the uh, the work that I couldn't do. And so that's how I, I was able to grow the company, you know, to the scale that it is right now. And so now we're now in our transition now to really grow the company because again, it's a totally different set of skills that you need in order to get past this and to get up to, you know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. And so that's the type of stuff we're doing right now is we're implementing all of the back office changes we need and we're bringing the right folks on board. You need to build your team out. Those are the types of activities we're doing to grow the company now. I love it. This is David again, Jason, and I appreciate how you've had the awareness to say, if we're going to get to this next level of our growth, I've got to bring in the right talent and put them in the right seats or positions on the bus. And you've done mm -hmm. that. And the mm -hmm. hardest part for a lot of leaders is letting go. And when you trust the right people, your company can have incredible success. And that's what you've done. And so kudos to you for recognizing it. And even now saying, it's not enough to be at 10 million. It's not enough just to be where I am. I see more potential. Therefore, I'm going to broaden my search to bring in even more top talent to help this organization get to where it needs to go. I'm loving it. I appreciate it. And that's fantastic. That's great stuff, Jason. I want to, this is Danny. I want to come in there real quick and talk a little bit more about that as, because it takes a lot of guts as an owner of an organization to say, I need to bring on a specialist. I yes. need to bring on someone who is an expert in what they do without feeling insecure. A lot of times as business owners, as you said, there's a certain skill set to go from one set to another set of millions and then to another set of millions and another set. And the more you go, there's more skill sets that are required in order not only to maintain that profitability, but to get to the next stage. And so I want to tell the audience today, look, if you feel that you're stuck or you feel that you need another piece on the chessboard to help accelerate your business, don't be insecure. Go out and find that partner. Go out and find that business relationship. Bring that person on board and give him or her the autonomy to get things done. Get out of their way because that's the only way you're going to be able to grow your business to the next level. I think that's exactly what I'm hearing. Is that correct, J-Dub? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're lucky, you can find that person quickly. It took me like five years. Oh, wow. So from very, very early on, I've always had people make offers about, you know, well, you know, maybe we should do business together. You know, maybe I should, you know, can I, can you sell me some equity? I've had numerous conversations. I probably had no less than like 50 conversations over the past several years with people who were interested in partnership. And so I was very patient. Maybe I was a little too patient because I, you know, I was in business for a very long time before I actually brought a partner on board. But you have to make the right decision. But once you do make that decision, you have to just, just like you said, Danny, you got to go all in. You got to make sure that you give your partner, you got to give whoever, whoever, whoever it is that you delegate this responsibility to, give them the latitude to do what they have been brought in to do and let them do what they do so that two, the two together 
or however many partners you have together can do bigger things than each of you can do individually. That's the whole point of a partnership is that together you can do more than you can achieve individually. And awesome. so it's very important, very important to um, to be able to have that, to be able to have that confidence in your your teammates in order to let them do what they do. Awesome. I love that. This is Danny, by the way. When we help our business partners, and one of the things we do, we do a lot of coaching. Dave and I do with business owners. We work with business owners of all size, a million dollars, $5 million, $10 million, $20 million business owners. The one thing we always tell them is you need to get out of the way. Um, mm -hmm. You can no longer be a tech. A lot of the people we work with are managed services providers. And we're saying you've been stuck at 1.5 for the last five years. What do you think the reason is? They're like, um, I don't know. I said, you're the problem. You got to mm -hmm. stop being the tech. You're the CEO. Put the CEO hat on. Exactly. Bring on a lead engineer. Let that person be the tech. So I love that example that you provided to our audience. I, I want to get a little bit more. What other tips that can you provide our audience for those who are entrepreneurs, have their own business, not necessarily working with the federal government, but what other tips that can you provide them? Because you said a couple yeah. of things. You went after your skill set. You went after your strength. You focus on the grant writing. You focus on the relationship aspect, bringing on the right person, um, letting that person run that practice and help you scale. You also spoke about the different um, skill set you need to have at each level. But what else can you provide our audience for those want to be entrepreneurs, those who are small business owners yeah. in order to scale their business? Because you have a very successful practice. Thank you. Yeah. So scaling what I am now embracing, which I didn't embrace prior to, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, um, is that when you want to scale, scaling requires a couple of different things. So it's, it's really kind of like the hardest thing to do when you start out as a one man show or you start out as a one woman show and you're responsible for everything. Not only do you have to let go, but there's also two other things that you have to do. You have to have number one, repeatable processes. And number two, you have to have replaceable people. It's about, so building a business that is more than just you as the hero that you have to work 28 hours a day and you have to do every single thing. In order for you to escape that type of a model and actually go to a scalable model, is you have to embrace the idea of repeatable processes and replaceable people. So you have to write SOPs and you have to write procedures and you have to have an employee handbook and you have to have all of your processes for all of your different departments of your company. You wanna have that laid out and have it be repeatable processes. And then you need to be able to bring people in so that they can actually execute those processes and you don't have to depend on one hero or, or multiple heroes in order for you to get your, your stuff done. You, don't, you, you shouldn't have to work 12 hours a day, including weekends, in order for you to execute your company. That is not a scalable model. The only way that it actually becomes scalable is when you actually delegate the stuff appropriately between the processes and the people who you have on your, on your team. Jason, this is, this is David. And you reminded me of something that Dan told me a while ago when he was in the uh, reserves, Army Reserves, that part of the understanding is that you know you need to know your, your direct reports. Uh, they need to know your position 
and then the person you report to directly, you need to understand their position because you never know what's going to happen, right? So something can happen, unfortunately, God forbid that there's a war or something breaks out and you lose your commanding officer, you now have to fill in that gap. And so you talk about scaling your business by creating processes that can be repeatable because the person that you brought in that might be a division director is now going to be overseeing a different department. And the person that they were working with now has to assume that responsibility. And if you've got to push the pause button every time, and hit reset, mm -hmm. you're really not going to be able to grow your organization the way you need to. And you know this as well as anybody else. Sometimes an organization can take a life of its own. If it's starting to grow and connect, uh, pick up steam, so to speak, you got to keep that engine going. And you can't keep mm -hmm. it going if you don't have those processes in place. So I love that you said that. And that's so important that even as an organization, you're not just looking for that niche, those little opportunities within your space. You've also internally you've got to create mechanisms processes to where it could keep growing without fail so i love that you've done that um let me ask you a question real quick before i get into something i i've really been itching to ask you but i've got to ask you this jason you 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 talk about these things that you've been learning and building your company talk about the mindset a ceo has to have because for so many of us when we start our businesses there is no sense of 40 hours. We work to 80 hours because we don't want mm -hmm. to work for somebody else. Or we work to 80 hours because we believe in a vision. What type of mindset do you have to have as a business owner? What shifts needs to take place in order for you to go, I'm in this to make this work? Because we don't want to see those stories or hear those stories of business starting and failing, especially in what we've been seeing in the economy, especially what we've been seeing with the health pandemic. What type of mindset does a CEO need to have in order to say, I'm in this to build it? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So. I think I saw, this was years and years ago, I think I saw like a questionnaire and the uh, topic of the questionnaire was, do you have an entrepreneurial mindset? You know, are you the kind of person who should be a CEO? And the questions basically were, um, if, you, if you can answer yes to all of the questions, then yes, you are the entrepreneurial type. You are the CEO type. I think the first question was, are you able to face risk that you've never previously faced before? Yes or no? Are you willing to work more hours working for yourself than you ever worked for anybody else? Yes or no? Do you believe in yourself more than any person could ever convince you that you should not believe in yourself, yes or no. I mean, I think those are kinds of the questions that you need to be able to say yes to in order for you to have that CEO mindset. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely like, it's like every day I wake up and I, you know, I, I try to prove a point that I can do this. The reason why I'm doing this myself is because I can do this better than me going and doing it for somebody else. Like, I would rather work 80 hours for myself than work 40 hours for somebody else. It's just kind of in me. Like I just, you know, I'm an ENTJ. I don't know if you guys do the Myers-Briggs stuff, but I'm an ENTJ. Like I just wake up with that mindset on a daily basis. So you have to believe in yourself. You have to be willing to put in the work and you have to believe that you are the person who is, should, should be in front of other people leading other people. And if you have that mindset, you know, obviously you want to enjoy your life. The whole point of this is to 
how, 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 how's the saying go? You shouldn't live to work. You should work to live. And so the whole yep. point of you doing this is so that you can create the kind of life that you want and so that you can have the flexibility and freedom that you want. You know, and, and another thing too, people always talk about becoming a, an entrepreneur and starting a business because they want to have freedom. I don't know that being an entrepreneur gives you freedom. I think if anything, you have less freedom because you have all this responsibility that you otherwise wouldn't have. I think the whole point of entrepreneurship is that you have flexibility so that you can control your own destiny. It's not dependent on the decisions of other people. Um, you have the ability to wake up every morning and, and figure out what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. I love that. This is David again. And I'll have to say that part of the journey is learning either the hard way or you can learn the easy way. And I, I would assume that there's some hard knocks for every entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. Part of what I've been learning about myself in the area of coaching other business leaders is that there has to be a willingness to be coached, a willingness to learn and keep learning and to keep growing. Uh, what are you doing, Jason, to keep yourself in that mood, in that mode rather, to keep learning, to keep growing? Uh, what are some things that you do to keep yourself in that position to keep growing and learning? Sure, sure. So a lot of reading. I, I'm, I'm always a student of the game. I'm, I'm always a student of technology. Um, always on YouTube. I, I, I'm, I'm a alumni of YouTube University. Um, you know, I, I definitely stay abreast of what's going on. So there's the technology part. And then just in general, like, I still have mentors. I still have folks who coach me and teach me my um, first employer, when I um, gra graduated from school, I came down to DC. I worked for a small company called Optimus Corporation. The CEO of that company was a gentleman named Eric Adolfi. He was another brother from New York. He had Haitian roots. We resonated because, you know, my family's from Trinidad and I was born and raised in the Bronx. New York came down here. He took me under his win um, back then. 20 years ago, I like last week, I, you know, just hit him up and, you know, we still can talk and he still guides me and helps me on stuff. We still work together. Um, so I, I still make sure that I stay, you know, no matter how smart you think you are or how long you've been a leader, you should always be willing to humble yourself and nice. be willing to understand and, and learn from the people who who can teach you things and there's a, you can learn a lot from a lot of different people and so i always try to make sure i uh, take I take time to do that we'll be right back after this short break we want to thank our sponsor for today's episode paul jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com for all your website design and management needs visit paul jackowitz that's paul J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com 
and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is David again, Jason, and I, I, I really appreciate your acceptance of input from other people especially people that you respect and you still stay in touch with the person that has helped mentor you, challenged you and pushed you because they believe in what they've seen in you. And I love that. I also appreciate the fact that you say, I'm going to stay on the edge, whether it's reading books, watching videos, learning from uh, speaking skill sets like David S. Brown and, uh, and uh, what we do here at DSB Leadership Group. And that, that's going to lead to my next question. But before Absolutely. that, what I'm going to say is this, and I, and, I, and I caught this from you, and this is coming from conversations we've had, that part of being a CEO is that your organization needs you to stay on the edge. They need you to continue to grow because that fuels their growth, that fuels their leadership development, that fuels their belief in your vision. That is not just a vision that's far off, that's going to fade. They need to see that the leader that's there, that the representative before them continues to push themselves. So I love that there's a cycle. You get better, they get better. They get better, you get better. So I just wanted to throw that out there that I love seeing that. Um, but the question I want to ask you, and, and I jokingly talked about the public speaking training that I provide for companies and everything from training management on how to teach their uh, direct reports, how to have tough conversations, how to communicate to the C-suite or management, all these things I teach and train. But the thing that I love also is when leaders are put on the stage, quote to speak, and they're out there giving presentations, they're speaking. You've been a part of several speaking platforms. Recently, you were invited to deliver a presentation at the ISACA Cloud Conference. You were a part of the OSCO project. And as Dan mentioned, you've been a part of the BCPA Power Forum series. You've talked about areas from tools to deliver uh, continuous ATO documentation, using your ATO as a service. You've talked about how to leverage authorizations to operate within the federal government space. You've talked about all these different things. Now that you're coming on stage and you're speaking more, what have you discovered about yourself as a speaker? What have you discovered about yourself when you've had to take that stage to not only talk about C-focused software, but just even about technology and leadership as a whole? Yeah, great research, man. You guys uh, did your homework, I see. That's 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 pretty impressive. <laughs> um, being a speaker is is easy. Um, I just I really love it. I really love being able to get out in front of the people, um, share some some information, and collaborate. You know, be able to actually engage in conversation with people that I otherwise would not have a chance to. Um, I think being a public speaker is critical when you are the person who is in charge of an organization, when you are the person who is, is supposed to kind of like find that path for an organization and all of that people who are uh, working for you and working with you. I think you have to be able to articulate your vision. I think you have to be able to articulate what, what you bring to the table. You have to inspire people. You have to be able to 
make people believe in your organization. Again, lower that risk, have confidence in you. You have to be able to convince people that, yes, we are the right folks, we're the right organization in order to help you on what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, and so it, it, it has to come from a source where you really believe in yourself first and you believe that you've done enough homework, you've done enough research, you have enough expertise in, in this area, and you have the ability to go out and teach people other things and share information that they would benefit from. And so, you know, you do the work, if you, you know, put in the time, and if you understand your industry, you understand your place in an industry, and you're able to articulate that confidently, you know, that's how you actually provide that leadership that's just kind of part and parcel of being a CEO and being a president of a company. That's fantastic. I, I am, this is Danny, by the way, I'm ecstatic when I hear about the fact that you're not only speaking, providing your knowledge and wisdom to the audience, but that you're excited about it. You, you, you enjoy it. And a lot of times when we think about people speaking, and David talked about earlier with your mindset as a CEO, it's also a mindset as a speaker having that mindset that I'm here for a reason. People are here because they want to listen to what I have to say. There's not, and, and a lot of times people get nervous. What if I say this? What if I do wrong? But mm -hmm. your mindset had nothing to do with that. It was more like, hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to speak. So audience members today, if you get an opportunity to speak, it's because people want to hear what you have to say. Right. They're there to take notes with what you have to say, and they want to apply. That's the key. They want to apply what you have to say to their own life or their own business. So please do not be afraid. Get excited about when it comes to speaking. Uh, I want to ask this quick question, and I hope that our audience that, that is out there understands this, is that everything you mentioned, to get, take your business to the next level, you had a mentorship, you worked for an organization. When you graduated college, you came down to grow your business from past $3 million to $10 million, $20 million, and even more, you had brought on a business partner. All these uh, areas of steps help take people to the next level. Was Microsoft or another organization as well key in your development, key in helping your business grow as well? Because you talked about building out this platform on Microsoft cloud services within Azure. But is Microsoft or other cloud services, were they also crucial and key through their partnership programs or any type of program they have in order to help scale and accelerate your business as well? Yeah, so I think, so there are many ways that Microsoft or other organizations could potentially help you. The way that Microsoft helped us was a couple of different ways. So number one, when you start down the process, when you start the journey of becoming a Microsoft Gold certified or Silver certified or whatever, there's a definite set of steps that you have to take in order for you to achieve that. So laying that out a lot of times you just don't even know where to, where to begin when it comes to building a business right and so having someone like microsoft lay out some specific steps for you to follow for you to achieve a certain a certain uh position i think that's very helpful um so i was able to figure out what it is that i wanted to do i i kind of learned what the steps were what the path was in order for me to um, achieve a, a microsoft gold certification and i was able to do that and then now you know that's something that i can kind of have as a differentiator for um, my organization and then certain programs really really kind of 
helped us immeasurably. The whole ATO as a service concept, it kind of was born when we did this uh, Microsoft Cloud Ready program. I don't know if you guys remember, but this was probably like five, six years ago. There was this Microsoft Cloud Ready program. They were actively looking to help businesses create some type of a cloud-based solution. And so at the time I knew that I wanted to go in that direction. I didn't wanna just do services. I knew I wanted to have a software solution. And so I learned about the Cloud Ready program. It was actually, the funny part is, the seminar for Cloud Ready was in Orange County, California for one day. And I'm in Largo, Maryland, all the way across, you know, all the, you know, on the other side of the country, basically. And so I bought a plane ticket and I flew to Orange County and did like a four hour seminar and flew right back. Like that's how much I thought this was going to be helpful for my company that I literally flew out to Orange County, California for like a four hour seminar and flew right back. Um, and everyone, you know, they went around the room. It was funny too, because we went around the room and everyone was like, you know, I'm from, you know, LA or I'm from Sacramento. And I'm like, yeah, I'm from Largo, Maryland. And they were like, how are you like, you're here for like a four hour seminar and you're from Largo. I was like, yeah, like I really wanted to come. Um, so that program actually was where the whole ATO as a service concept kind of got born and, and nurtured. And now we actually have ATO as a service as a product in the Azure marketplace. So that definitely helped out a lot. You know, a lot of Microsoft programs, I think, um, I think it can really propel companies to do big things if, if they stay committed. That's wonderful. This is David Jason, and I love that you were able to have the foresight and acknowledge that there might be an opportunity for you. And even if that meant getting on the plane, flying four and a half, five hours on the other side of the country, staying for a four-hour event, flying back another four and a half, five hours, mm -hmm. just to be able to say I was able to capture that tool or capture that idea or spark that idea into something bigger. And I love that you were able to do that. I've got to ask you this though, Jason, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask for our audience. When it comes to the space that you're in, when you think about working with the federal government, in light of what we've been through the last couple of years with this pandemic and a lot of all that's going on around the world, geopolitical environment, um, from your perspective, are there any trends or what trends or challenges are you seeing right now when it comes to working with the federal government? Has anything changed? Uh, are there differences now or what's what, what are some of the trends you're seeing now with working with the federal government? Yeah, so some of the trends in federal are the same with trends in uh, private industries. So, you know, work from home is being embraced. Um, you know, the remote work is definitely something that I never would have thought that pretty much all of our employees are working from home and they continue to uh, work from home. And it, it, it works. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that I don't know that we'll ever go back to working at the office uh, 40 hours a week for all of our employees. That's probably not ever going to happen again. Um, but the biggest thing, I think, is cybersecurity. So especially now with the high probability that now there's going to be some kind of retaliatory uh, uh, cyber attacks from that, you know, sourcing from Russia, 
And then last July, um, the president put out an executive order that had to do with increasing cybersecurity capabilities among federal government agencies, embracing a zero trust architecture. Um, there's a whole bunch of money that is now being poured into cybersecurity now more than ever before. And so cybersecurity within federal government is a big deal. And it's an evolving landscape because we're now moving from kind of like a, like a butts and seats model. Cybersecurity used to always kind of depend on you having people to run scans and do analysis and do remediation. And it was all human driven and human based. We're now in government transitioning from a human based model to a software and an automation based model. And so when you, when you wanna really do cybersecurity, it's not about one person doing one scan once a week. It's about software doing a thousand scans every day. And so that's kind of like the model now is we're moving toward automation. We're moving toward less human involvement, less human interaction and having an automated cybersecurity solution. And so that's, that's where you want to be. If you want to be a, a participant in the future of federal government cybersecurity, you have to be you have to embrace the automation that's that's being um, leveraged right now and, and into the future. That's awesome, Jason. I appreciate you sharing that because it's true. We've been concerned and thinking about what is the future going to be in terms of the geopolitical uh, climate around the world and what do we need to be aware of? And it's good to be able to hear that more measures are being taken and considered to adhere to the changes and the needs of our organizations. Jason, I wanna thank you for joining us on Twins Talk It Up. When you think about your company, C-Focus Software, you've become a Microsoft Gold certified partner. You've taken your organization to helping other companies, businesses to embrace a different way of doing business, capturing a greater market from supporting government cloud initiatives. And what I loved about our conversation today, you shared about your journey as an entrepreneur, that even when you're a small fish in the big ocean of federal government contracting, you can find a way to differentiate yourself and win more opportunities. You talked about leveraging relationships, putting the right people on the right seats on the bus. You talked about how you've got to think differently, putting the right processes, You've shared about even trends that you're recognizing in the space itself. If you want to learn more about Jason and his company, C-Focus Software, I want you to visit cfocussoftware.com to learn more about what he's doing, get a glimpse about where he's going to be speaking and presenting next. Jason, thank you for joining my twin and I on Twins Talk It Up. Hey, thanks, David. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.